Raider Nation, wake up and get ready because it's time for the morning grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Well, good morning, Raider Nation. This is Lincoln Kennedy. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the morning grind. Well, let's just take a moment and say, first of all, congratulations to the Raiders for winning their second preseason game. They're now 2-0 and in the preseason. And, and I know, though, it's only preseason and they don't count. I still regard a win as a win as a win. And wins build confidence. But let's talk turkey. Let's break things down like we normally do, okay? Let's first start talking about, you know, my, my bread and butter. What I, what I feel that I know the most about because I, I've, I've been a part of it is the offensive line. Now, this is, this is a really difficult pill to explain. And the reason why I say that is because though the last two games, the Raiders have rushed over 100 yards. They have also given up four sacks plus in the last two games. That's not good. And so there's a cause for concern. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of you out there in the Raider Nation that are wondering just what are they going to do or how are they going to do it? And to be honest, the experimenting phase is why you play preseason. And that's really the reason why you don't put your starting quarterback back there because you don't want to get him hurt. Not to say that, you know, you don't want anything to happen to Jared Studham or Chase Garbers or or Nick Mullins or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but you don't put your your $40 million man, for example, out there uh, to get hurt. But you, you have to experiment. Now, you know, for what it's worth, Munsford did a great job of starting right tackle. You know, the seventh round draft choice out of Ohio State did a good job of starting this game and holding his own for the first half. And Alex Leatherwood came in and bat a little cleanup uh, towards the end. But, you know, for the most part, I thought that Jackson Barton did a decent job at left tackle. And then, and as I said, Munster did a good job at right tackle. Now, this is, this is one of those instances where you have to experiment with different guys in different situations. And the main reason why coaches do this is they want to see how a guy performs when he's, when he's sort of out of his comfort zone. So, so think about this. When you have practice and you, you know, you've got your ones and your twos and your threes, however you break it down, especially in training camp, that guard and that tackle and that center, that, that second unit usually works together. You have an established second unit, just like you have an established first unit most of the time. But you have to create a, a top eight in your mind. You can hold two back maybe for developmental, even sometimes three uh, back for, for practice squad. Um, but you've got to have at least 10 on the active roster. And then game day, you trim it down to eight because you got to have your starting five. You got to have a backup center, a, back, a swing guard, and a swing tackle. Now, sometimes you can get away with seven. And that's where a guy like Dylan Parnum comes in because he's been able to do a lot of things well. But we'll talk about him in a moment. So in this instance, in this preseason game, Josh McDaniels told us when we had a production meeting that we're going to see a lot of different combinations of offensive line. You're going to see a lot of guys in different positions and, and they want to see how, how they perform. One, as a coaching standpoint, you want to know that they know what they're doing and they can play fast. And two, they can take that challenge on the chin and live up to the demand of if, they, if they're needed. They know that you can put them there and they'll be able to hold their own. That's critical. It's critical to understand because I believe that the longer an offensive line plays together, the better they will be. And the more they will gel. That's my belief. And that's my experience. And I know a lot of coaches and a lot of players feel the same thing. You just get used to guys over and over again. But what happens when that guy goes down? You know, I remember there were times when I got banged up playing next to Mo Collins, who's a great friend of mine, may he rest in peace. But 
Mo would come over to the sideline and be mad at me. Man, you're not out. You're supposed to be out there. And, you know, we would have our talks back and forth. But he was used to playing next to me rather than playing next to my backup. So I get it. There's a comfort zone. There's a certain comfort zone that that comes with it. But in this instance, because you are experimenting, we don't know what the starting line is going to be. I can can honestly say that Colton Miller is going to be our left tackle. Okay? I can honestly say that, you know, you're going to have John Simpson as your left guard. Andre James as your center, Lester Cotton Jr. as your 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 right guard, the right tackle still the salsa. I, I think you know batting cleanup in the second half, Alex Leatherwood did a fairly decent job, but there were some questions with some of them, some of the protections. I didn't know what they were doing because there were there were times where they were you know you got some pressures, you got some hurries, and even some cases you got some sacks where I was scratching my head up in booth. I don't don't really understand what they were trying to do or accomplish there, but. You know, as, as we go on, we'll figure this out. There's also something that people don't necessarily think about. There's a way to call games to help protect your offensive line, especially if you have a blaring weakness or a disadvantage. There are ways that you call. And in this game, this, this Vikings game, we saw a couple times where they kept a tight end on the right side and a back end on the left side to help chip and help sure, sure up the protection. If nobody blitzed or nobody came, those two receivers were going out for routes. That's one way of doing it. The counter of that is that there was an instance, and I can't remember who it was that tied in, but there was an instance where the tight end chipped, was on the right side. He chipped the defensive end. He chipped him so hard that the offensive lineman couldn't put a, pick up the stunt. I think it was Dylan Parham who was playing right guard at that time. But he got lost in the stunt. It was, it was a TE stunt where the tackle goes upfield first and then the end comes underneath. And the end came right around untouched through the, through the middle of the, uh, the offensive line and it was ended up getting a sack. And that's when he unfortunately, that's when I would go to tight end or back like, look, you don't need to chip him that hard. Only chip him if I can't reach him or he's too far outside. But uh, I understand why, you know, why they do it. That's what you try to do is sure enough protection. And you could go max protection. You can keep that tight end and that running back in and go max protection. And now you have seven guys protection, but you only have three guys going out now. You see what I'm saying? Because you got your quarterback. That's number eight. There's only three eligible receivers. And if a team is playing matchup zone or they're playing, you know, two deep zone man underneath, they've got the advantage because now they can bracket the outside, the receivers that are going out. And they've got to win and the quarterback's got to make a great throw. So, I mean, that's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fodder and a little bit of run on for what I'm trying to say. But in essence, there is, a, there is an area of concern. This, this is what I say, you know, my COC, my calls for concern. Calls of concern is this offensive line is not complete, still needs a little bit of more, a little bit of work. They've got two more preseason games, and you're going to have a practice against the Patriots before the last game, scrimmage and stuff like that. So we'll see who comes, who, who comes out and really inserts himself, if you know what I mean. And, and I think it will come together. More importantly... I trust in the system that Josh McDaniel has brought to the Raiders that he has a way because they've had offensive lines in the past that weren't as strong. He has a way of helping the offensive line out. And when you go out there, look, when it's a passing game, I tell you what, it's not just the offensive line. It's the quarterback. It's the receivers. It's everybody doing their part. Quarterback has to throw, you know, get guys open. I mean, quarterback has to wait for guys to get open. The receivers got to win their routes and get open, and they got to get rid of the ball. You can't sit there and hold on it for four seconds every time, thinking that you're going to have all day to pass the ball. So it's a team effort on that. On the positive note, you know, they've been able to rush over 100 yards. That's a good sign. Because I'm here to tell you, I know we have receiving weapons. I know they're out there, you know, but 
you you got to be able to run the ball. And you got to be able to run the ball late in the year, especially when you're going on the road to some of these, you know, places that might have climate issues. You know, so I, I appreciate the fact they've been able to run over 100 yards. That's a good sign. And they've got a plethora of running backs that get downhill, that, you know, move move the ball forward. That is, too, a good sign. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with that. But they still have a, lot of, a long way to go. But I'm here to tell you, just don't worry too much about that. Let's talk about the defensive side. My other calls for concern. The defensive interior is, it's, it's you know, when Josh McDaniels came and took over this team, they only had 30 guys, 37 guys under contract. And I think they might have had one, maybe two that were defensive linemen. What they try to do is they try to have a consistent rotation between anywhere from seven, to eight guys on that defensive line. You know, I'm not worried about Chandler Jones. I'm not worried about Max Crosby. I'm worried about who's behind them, obviously, because they got to come and give him a spell. Malcolm Kuntz is, is working in the right direction. I think he's going to be good. You know, um, Jerry Green has, has shown some signs. But as far as the interior, that leaves a lot to be expected. And what Minnesota did is what's, what, what I think is our defense's Achilles heel right now. Inside runs, between the tackle runs. That's where there's a cause of concern. You're going to have to have defensive tackles that can hold up at the point, keep that, keep that point you know, contained, and allow your linebackers like Denzel Perriman and crew to be able to wander and, and make tackles. I'm not seeing a lot of that right now. And it's hard to say where it's going to come. A lot of times you have offensive linemen that got some big beef on the interior part, and you got some sort of undersized defensive tackles, it's kind of hard to hold up. These guys are going to have to bulk up. They're going to have to strong, you know, get stronger. And more importantly, they're going to have to have, be able to know their assignments. So the defensive tackle position is a cause of concern, especially on the depth of that position. So moving forward, we'll see in the next two games how this offensive line comes together, how they're able to protect the quarterback more. If you're going to throw the ball 55 60% of the time, you can't afford to give a 5-6 sacks in a game. That's going to hurt you more than it helps you. And on the other side of the ball, when it comes to the defensive line, you've got to stop the run. This past game against Minnesota, especially in the second half, they were giving up almost five yards of crack per run. And, and, and I think Minnesota finished the game with a little bit of averaging over five yards per run. And that's not good because that has opposing offenses just salivating if they know they can run the ball against you. So there, there's definitely some work that needs to be done there. Other than that, you know, the fact that they got to win, the fact that they found a way to win. You know, you've got some issues. you got to work on special teams. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. But there's, there's some things that you have to clean up in the remaining two games. The good thing is confidence, confidence, confidence. Wins build confidence. You walk away from a loss. I don't care if it's a preseason. You're kind of downing yourself, a little bit of salty. And whatever. But if you walk away with a win and you're the Raiders, and people are expecting you to win, they want you to win, they're looking forward to you to win, the nation is cheering you, they're backing you up, uh, this is one of those things where you can take full advantage of, and you're you're more confident hitting that practice field following this week before Miami and saying, you know what, we're going to get things done. We're going to be all right. So that's my take on the lines right now, and uh, and I'm hoping that you know in future morning grinds we'll be able to report something better. In the meantime, this is Lincoln Kennedy, and this is the morning grind. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Morning Grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network.